Uh, apparently, Summer Matches is this weekend. That is what the TikTok Live is telling me. What is Summer Live Match, as in that it had boxing gloves. Oh. So I assume it has something to do with boxing. Interesting. I mean, there's, you heard about the creator clash. YouTube creator clash where oh, they yes. just got a bunch of like washed up YouTubers to not a bunch of washed up some of them are washed up um, like Harley from Epic Meal Time was there he was in a fight he's just like a massive human being but I, I, I didn't watch it myself but Andy was telling me about it he's like oh, I thought it was gonna be really cool and then he's like he thought nah. it would be cool <laughs> he thought that yeah he thought it'd be cool like fun to watch but he's like nah I just felt bad for a lot of them they're just like the weight classes seem to be non-existent, basically. Well, yeah, they were just fighting whoever they decided they wanted to fight. Um, and then, and then, oh, the only reason I know about Harley because he called out uh, Doctor Disrespect for mm. the next Creator Clash, and the doc was like, "No," <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. Um, yeah, hello. This is this is episode nineteen of the Dungeon Bros Podcast. Episode nineteen. Nineteen. It's pretty impressive. We're legal. Uh, our podcast. Our podcast legal. It's legal if years equals episodes. This episode 21 has to be the drunk cast, right? I guess so. Yeah, I kind of. All right. Well, that's happening. I'm Connor. And I'm Sam. And we are not brothers. Nor are we in a dungeon. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to. Could, I, I feel like I've made that joke every single time. Probably. It's you part know. of the bit. Yeah. We commit to the bit around I would, here. I would happily dungeonify the homestead. Um, <coughs> how you been? Hey, oh, man. you know, all right. I'm doing all right. That's, it's, just, uh, you know, just another week in paradise. Paradise. Yes. Uh, sorry, pair of dice. I, I would like to roll advantage. Of course. Um, we recently were enjoying a birthday celebration with a mutual friend. Yes. Uh, at, at her lovely abode. And uh, we were talking with people that we don't really know. We just met them. Brand just new. Them. This is, this is a difficult thing for the two of us to do on in normal circumstances, let alone when drunk at a birthday party. Um, and we were talking, of course, the hot dog sandwich debate. The classic food debates that are oft brought up oft on brought the Dungeon Bros podcast. And it's not often that a new one is brought before us. No. And that is the classification of the ravioli. Yes. Yes. So we so have the sandwich. We do. We have... The pizza. The ravioli. The ravioli being sealed on all four sides. Yes. Uh, uh, one of the people there was so adamant that it was bread or bread product. Well, no. Yeah. He was specific bread. Stuff in the inside. Mm-hmm. Bread. All the way sealed. All the way sealed around. All the way sealed. Now, what I feel like we were missing in that conversation was the discussion of cooking methods. Because the ravioli is boiled. Yes. But... For example, the pop tart, it's not boiled. No. So would not. I, I would say the ravioli stands alone. But what about a fried ravioli or a baked oh. ravioli? Well, they t- ooh are they pure ooh? They are. They come from the store labeled as a ravioli. <sighs> I mean, as we've already established, the labeling from the store means nothing in well, these specific classifications. That's true. Stores are just trying to sell things. Exactly. Exactly. But the pop tart. The calzone, mm-hmm. the hot pocket, sealed all the way around. The uncrustable, yes. Oft thought a sandwich Oft because it is sandwich. peanut butter jelly and white bread. It, playing with playing with the hearts of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich lovers, 
the the Uncrustable decidedly not a sandwich. No. Which w- will offend many people, and I hope it does. If you have Uncrustable opinions, let us know. We'll ignore them. Yes. The Earth. The Earth. A ravioli. Not a bread product, Not but bread. it is a, a... It's got grain. It's got grain. There we go. <laughs> it, but it, it has gluten and gluten byproducts. Yes. Um, but yes, completely sealed. But I, I, it sticks on... The thing that sticks for me is the classification of the ravioli. I feel like... I feel like... Because obviously, it's, it's the boiling aspect of the cooking process of the ravioli that does me in. Mm-hmm. See, I would not. I would not boil an uncrustable. I would never boil an uncrustable. I would never boil a hot pocket. I would never boil a calzone. I would never boil a pop tart. That would end badly. Exactly. <laughs> pop tart would just. I would never boil the earth. Now, I mean, some might say we're doing that on our own. Right. And that's not our. That's not our us to decide. No. This is, a, this is a, ostensibly, ostensibly a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. We got away from saying ostensibly for a bit. Glad yeah, we're back. We Glad we're to, back. We need to bring it back. Um. But for the ravioli, I would be more comfortable classifying the the product that is encased on all sides by grain of some kind mm. as a calzone more than a ravioli. Oh, interesting. Because I feel like the ravioli, a subset of calzone that is cooked via boiling, and thus a fried ravioli is a ravioli that would normally be boiled but is instead fried or instead baked. So you don't... Making it more of a pure calzone. So you don't itself. see the calzone itself as just a pizza folded over and then sealed. Of course. So, not. so as you can, you are you are on the boat of putting other things in the calzone besides classic pizza toppings. Indeed. Interesting. Indeed. Interesting. I mean, I feel like a chicken bacon ranch calzone would be lovely. True, but I, there's also chicken bacon ranch pizzas. I mean, but there are not peanut butter and jelly pizzas. I mean, I would be willing. I would be willing to bet that if you chose to make a peanut butter and jelly pizza, it would turn out pretty all right. I mean, we could do it either with, if you wanted savory or sweet, savory, savory could be quite lovely. Like a bacon, savory jam, ooh, a bacon bacon jam jam or a jalapeno jam. We have to do this now, right? I guess. Can we please? Can we live stream it? Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. Perfect. All right. It's settled. Uh, The ravioli is a calzone. All right. Along with the Pop-Tart, the Uncrustable, the Hot Pocket, and Earth are all calzones. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, as of recording this on our Lord's Day, the 14th of July. Of the year 2022. Of the year 2022. Uh, if, you are, if you are a fan of the Lord of the Rings, which you should be, and if you are not, you are wrong, objectively. Uh, they dropped You're... the first like real actual trailer for uh, Lord of the Rings: The Rings of Power. That's going to be on Amazon Prime, and it looks fucking awesome. Have you seen it? I have not seen it actually. It looks fucking awesome. There were a lot of people that were worried about the visual aspect of it, uh, especially given The Hobbit. Yes, the CG. The CG... I was going to say a lot of people were not happy with the CGI in yeah. The Hobbit. Of course, a lot of people were not happy with The Hobbit in general. I was fine with The Hobbit in terms of a storytelling thing. It was a bit strange that they made it a trilogy, but at the same time, so much happens in The Hobbit that I would understand splitting mm-hmm. it off into more than one movie. Um, trilogy, it, just, it did feel like they needed to fill a lot, so they added characters. I was fine with the characters they added. Some people didn't like that they added Legolas. It would make sense for Legolas to be involved in that situation. 
uh, and just go unnamed in the book because he wasn't a prominent character. Mm-hmm. Um, but the trailer looks fucking great. Um, the actor, the the practical effects with actors and costuming look beautiful. Mm. Um, the visuals in general look great, which was a big concern that people had. Uh, there's still obviously the comment sections are going to be filled with people like, why are they why are they adding hobbits in the in the second age when they canonically were like proto hobbits and not really hobbits yet? And it's like, well, it's just all. Yeah, there have been a, there's been a lot of controversy around things they're doing, and um, as there will always be controversy. Yeah. But uh, again, having not watched the trailer, but having heard everything I have, having watched uh, Lord of the Rings TikTokers and YouTubers. I'm excited. I'm ready for it. I'm fucking pumped. Um, If they can nail down the characters, if they can nail down the writing of dialogue, if they can nail down the story, obviously it has the budget behind it for it to be capable of doing all of that. I'm very much looking forward to the month of September. Remember, remember the month of September. Remember, remember. Lord of the Rings on Prime. The (laughs) Rings of Power. September. At this point... We should, pimp, we should pimp the stuff. The Discord. A lot of people joined the Discord last week. Yes. Wonderful. Welcome, all of you new folks. It is sensational. Uh, there you can join a community of people that like to play D&D, talk about D&D. Uh, we've got some people that are trying to set up games, a bunch of people that are willing to play in games. It's a good time. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, we've got... I've, I've filmed uh, several... Filmed. I'm not shooting on film. This is the fucking <laughs> 80s. You recorded. I, I recorded some videos to go up on the YouTubes, and I've recorded some shorts that uh, we want to make YouTube. And mm-hmm. we're going to. We're, we were thinking about like, should we release them on TikTok? Obviously, the most of our following is on TikTok. Yes, 18, almost almost 19,000 now. 18.8,000. Yeah. currently follow us, which is awesome. But we're going to use the first couple as an experiment and release all of them on all three platforms at the same time. Obviously, I think the TikTok is going to do better just because we have a more natural following there. Hmm. But every time we've tried to make videos outside of the TikTok app, it hasn't gone very well. So no, I'm interested it hasn't. to see how it goes. Um, also, uh, about, what is it, two weeks? Two and a half weeks? Uh, two weeks and a couple days? We're going yeah. to, or two weeks today. Yeah, uh, not no, two weeks today. Three weeks today. Three weeks from as of recording this. Yes, a uh, week and a half from or two weeks and a day from when this posts. <laughs> Jeez, I can I can time. We're going to Gen Con in Indianapolis. Yes, Gen Con twenty twenty two. We go into all four days. We're gonna hit up some panels. We're gonna do play some shit. We're hopefully get, play some games of some play, sort. Hopefully play many games. Uh, we're going to Quincy's Tavern. Um, we're going, they're having a content creation workshop that we're going to go to. Uh, if you see us, come say hi. We would love to. We're going, mm-hmm. we're going to try and meet up with as many creators as we can, make some content, have a good time. It's going to be a fun trip. Looking forward to it. Fight some nerds. Yes. Also, tomorrow, as of recording this, we're going to do an interview with Typical Gemini from mm-hmm. TikTok, a uh, D&D TikToker who is also well-versed in the Magic the Gatherings, one of our areas of... Not what's the opposite of expertise? Um, uh, our, one of the areas we're lacking in, if mm. you will, one yes. of our areas of deficiency. There it is, one of our areas of deficiency. Mm-hmm. That is that is true. Um, I'll be having I'll be having a chat with him. We'll be talking about Magic: The Gathering and D and D and all of the normal things that we would be talking about. Uh, that will be that interview will be going up a week after this podcast goes live. So if you're listening to it on podcast services around the globe apple google spotify etc youtube the youtube as well 
It'll be in one week on the following Wednesday between when we normally post. Also, check out our previous interviews we've done with Big Velvet, Raffle Snail Food from TikTok, as well as the role-playing degenerates, Cisco and Steven. Mm-hmm. Very awesome people. We love them very much. Papa Kiss. We're going to see Cisco at uh, Gen We're going to try to see Cisco at Gen Con. We're going to try to see Cisco at Gen Con. It's going to be his birthday. We're very excited. Uh, we'll all wish him a happy birthday and embarrass him as much as humanly possible. You know yeah. what? We're going to do our best. With all of that out of the way. Let's get into the news. Let's get into the news. Top story. Not really. It's not really the top story. It's just the story I want to talk about first. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, as someone who has been cursorily interested in the world res- the world wrestling entertainment mm-hmm. brand, the WWE, uh, there's been some various wrestling-related projects that have come out with AEW and other smaller indie things that have been blowing up a lot, but one of uh, AEW superstars, Athena, is going to be launching a Dungeons & Dragons show that is going to be airing tonight as of recording, or last Thursday, if you are listening on the podcast service sure, around yes, the yeah. yes. The AEW pro wrestler, Athena, will launch a new Dungeons & Dragons actual play show on her Twitch channel next week. Details about the upcoming Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition show are still partially under wraps, but the show will feature Athena, her husband and fellow wrestler, Matthew Palmer, and tabletop RPGs, Noir Enigma, and Eric Frankhouse. The campaign will be run by the veteran tabletop RPG designer and dungeon master, Daisy Grant. It is currently sponsored by Kobold Press, and players are going to be using character options that are available from the recent Kobold Press book, Tome of Heroes. According to a live stream that aired previously on Twitch, the campaign will be a take on the classic Kobold Press campaign adventure titled At the Edge of the World. Athena and other cast members have teased that other guest stars will also be making an appearance. And she also went on later to talk about... She used to, uh, she used to be on WWE as the character Ember Moon. Uh, and she talked about how Ember Moon was uh, influenced a lot by uh, Dritzt de Erden. Jeez, I, I can never pronounce Dritzt's last name. Dritzt de Erden from, uh, from R.A. Salvatore's books mm-hmm. and how she very much loved them. Uh, it does. It, it seems like it's going to be airing uh, Thursday nights on Twitch, which... Interesting choice. Interesting choice. A lot of competition there, Sam. Yes. Oh. Um... Uh, I mean, what's there to say besides awesome, great, let's go. More, more content. More content. Um, you know, I think it would shock. I think a, a lot of people, because I definitely don't think about it on a day-to-day basis, that wrestlers are normal people too. Yes. Um, In fact, they tend to be much uh, weirder, nerdier people than uh, people giving them credit for. Oh, well, yeah, because they have a much, they have very physical acting role, because wrestling is acting. It is. Um, and... The, the suspension of disbelief and the storytelling and it's, it's there's a lot of parallels to D and D. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And there's and, already uh, been a bunch of wrestlers that have admitted that they're very big into D and D and have home games and stuff. I mean, Big Show appeared on on uh, in the stream of many eyes yeah. uh, with Travis Willingham <laughs> and uh, Joe Manganiello. I forgot in, about that. Yeah, in the in Jocks Machina. Yes, it was a fun yes. fun time. Fun time. Fun time. Uh, of course. It's you, it's rare that you see. In, interesting that Big Show is there because you rarely see that from WWE wrestlers because what they do outside of the company is much more tightly locked down in the WWE than it is at these more independent 
um, outlets like AEW and Impact Wrestling, where mm-hmm. they give their superstars a lot more freedom to do what they want, which is why a lot of people are leaving the WWE or when they are released from the WWE find a lot more success elsewhere because they have that freedom and more creative creativity and all that. I'm not here to judge which one is better or worse. I enjoy the WWE. Look, we are passionate about many things and uh, watching YouTube videos is one of those things we're passionate about and and you found a good channel for uh, for viewing information about behind the scenes of wrestling. Mm -hmm. Of course. And those are always enjoyable videos. Of course, of course. Next up, Sydney. Dungeons and Dragons releases free Spelljammer Adventure, Spelljammer Academy, an unofficial prequel to Spelljammer Adventures in Space, is a free prep adventure now on D&D Beyond. Spelljammer's Academy orientation is designed for three to seven first level players and is designed to help players get used to traveling through the astral plane. This module is the first of four adventures that Wizards is releasing, set in the Forgotten Realms, taking us from traditional high fantasy to looking at the game's space exploration angle. As such, there are no new character building options in this first release. So this is more of like a taking your classic fantasy characters and moving them into the Spelljammers, mm-hmm. basically moving them into the astral plane. Yeah, so, and we, Spelljammers is of course going to have some more of those uh, sci-fi tropes and aspects to it, um, and this is also going to, these four modules are definitely going to help DM, DMs and players get used to those, and then also kind of almost give a, a, a way in from you know, maybe a, a whatever campaign you're playing in right now, how to get them into a Spelljammer style adventure. Yes, yes. Now, this is for first level players, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, three to seven, which is quite the range of players to play. Um, do you happen to know if they level up at the end of that adventure and then the other four so that it'll eventually lead to your fifth level character starting in Spelljammers? Or... I believe that is the goal. I don't know off the top of my head. Or is it third level? Because most, most of these adventures tend to start at third level. Uh, much like the book in front of us right now, Call It the Netherdeep, it's for third to twelfth level characters ending yes. the campaign at level 13. Um, the rewritten adventures that are in the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount take characters from level one to three, which then can very easily lead into a Call of the Netherdeep campaign, which we have done. We, we have. Done. Well, we've just we've just completed, yes, and now we just, we just and now the dangerous designs. We're going to do like uh, a session or a half session where we're traveling to the first location of Call of the Netherdeep, Jigjigao, 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 for the Festival of Merits, and what? begin Call of the Netherdeep there. I'm very excited, but that's neither here nor there. That is neither here nor there. I am. I, we, we are. Uh, I'm trying to push this on so I can get to the end of the. <laughs> Of the of the thing and see ah yes ending the adventure uh, characters advance to level to the second level upon completing this adventure very good and so it's likely that the next one they drop um, which we assume will be here mm-hmm. in a few weeks at at at, 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 le- at, at most yeah because um, um. <laughs> spell jammers is coming out this year yes. I love that they've been doing this with some of their with some of their bigger releases, those lead up adventures. Um, very big fan. Most D and D adventures are not going to start at level one. Level one is just really rough. Yes. Um, As somebody who just got done playing in a level one and two, it, you, yes. you guys you guys played very cautiously, uh, but at this and thankfully. Kobolds 
the kobold stat blocks that we were using were not particularly difficult. No. But uh, it definitely was a bit challenging. And even as level two characters, I was impressed at how well you handled uh, the dungeon in Dangerous Designs. But, um, yeah, low level play is very difficult. And it's fun. it's fun that these are just like, they're free for anyone to use, which makes it really easy for new players to get in. It also builds hype for yes. the oh, next absolutely. big release. And very big fan. You can pick it up on D&D Beyond now for free. Yeah, maybe maybe listen to the rest of the podcast first. Yeah, don't go yet. Don't go quite yet. Hold your horses. God damn it. Chill. Daddy chill. The daddy chill. What the fuck? He's in the fuck out. What the fuck is that? <laughs> well, Connor, what, uh, can you tell us about the Radiant Citadels, perhaps? Of course. Uh, in a new video and a write-up on dnd.wizards.com, a great website, as is the official D&D website, uh, they they did a big write up on uh, journeys through the Radiant Citadel, and uh, along with an accompanying YouTube video that is about twelve minutes long, the, where they go into some of the base lore of the Radiant Citadel, as well as an overview of all of the fifteen adventures that are going to be included in Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. Now, Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel, there is uh, this like life crystal. Uh, the the Radiant Citadel itself is the city that's built on the fossil of this long-dead, unknown, basically astral entity that wrapped itself around this magical, I believe it was called the Aurora Diamond, uh, this life-giving crystal rock floating through wherever the fucking Radiant Citadel is. Uh, I th- the concept of a dying, massive creature wrapping itself around an embodiment of life and then dying, fusing into it and becoming a fossilized structure that then a city is built on top of is ridiculous in all of the <laughs> best ways possible. Um, they also talk about how there are these like satellite rocks, uh, gems that are floating around the city that sometimes dock with the city, and then when they remove themselves from the city... That is how you are transported to these various other uh, dimensional planes where the various adventures of the Radiant Citadel take place. Uh, there are going to be 13 standalone adventures that span all the way from levels 1 to 14. You can run them in, in level order. You can run them however you want. You can pick and choose. Uh, is the ethereal plane, by the way. The ethereal plane. Good job. I, I'm, I'm, I pay attention sometimes. <laughs> It's got new monsters. The, there's a write-up for each one of the 13 adventures, as well as a couple from each individual writer that wrote each adventure, including what their little pocket plane is. It Great video to check out if you're interested. It's 12 minutes. The write-up is very in-depth. Um, and Journey to the Radiant Citadel will be coming out very, very soon. By the time you are watching this live... Well, not live... If you're watching it live, it's not out yet. Live, now. it comes out on the 19th, uh, July 19th, 2022, which means if you're listening to it on a podcast service around the globe, you can get it right now. Very good. I'm interested. I am. I I always I like the anthology of adventure books. It's nice to be able to like look at something, gain inspiration, or pluck it wholesale for your own purposes, and not have to commit to a long campaign. Right. I think that's lovely. I mean, we we played. Uh, our friend ran Salem ran a, a, an adventure from. Oh, did he run from Witchlight? 
I think it was Wild Beyond the Witch Light. Yeah, and that was a lot of fun, and it's and and it's great to have these things where you can just pick them up and and drop them into a campaign if you if you're feeling it. Um, but and and of course with Radiant Citadels, this is written by all POC creators. Yeah. Um, each each trying to bring their own um culture. Uh, like I read up on the uh, uh, the one that was kind of based off uh, Mexico and ancient yeah. um, Mexican civilization, and it was very cool, um, very interesting, especially since a lot of of like traditional like Aztec style or Mayan style adventures in the past have been written about um, naked people on dinosaurs. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a long history there of. Not the best representation. Yeah. Um, there, there's definitely going to be a flavor of adventure for anyone mm-hmm. that wants to run something in this book. Um, and we will, we might pick it up and we'll we'll, we'll read through it and, and do a podcast on it. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. Can't stop us. Yeah. Can't stop and also won't stop. This is our party. We'll cry if we want to. Indeed. Now Samuel. Yes. Would you like to know about Dungeons Dragons Honor Among Thieves at Comic Con? No. Oh, okay. What would no, you like no. to know about? I like to know about Thor. Thor: Love, Love and Thunder. Yeah, we did watch. That we did little, see that one. Movie. Since we're talking about movies. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, loved both the love and the thunder aspects of it. This is not a great place to put this. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Honor Among Thieves Comic-Con panel and tavern experience officially announced. Paramount Pictures and E1 are bringing their upcoming film, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, to San Diego Comic-Con 2022. Uh, this panel will be happening on Thursday, July 21st at 12 p.m., Pacific Standard Time. The film's cast and the filmmakers will be on stage to give fans an exclusive sneak peek at the 2023 release, and an exclu- and this will also come with an exclusive hat, Honor Among Thieves poster. Additionally, the sponsors will be creating a one-of-a-kind tavern experience. This will include photo ops, exclusive takeaways, and beverages. Custom artwork will be created by Boss Logic, and both alcoholic and non-alcoholic versions of Dragon Brew created from the recipe provided by Quincy's Tavern. The aforementioned Quincy's Tavern. Will a, be great, a, a great TikTok page if you don't follow them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Will be available. This uh, the tavern experience itself. Will, it's about a twenty minute experience and will be open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to the public at first come, first serve basis. But you can RSVP for the experience right now and skip the lines, I assume, at uh, by going to www.dungeonsanddragonsrsvp.com/home. Now the cast of this movie. This cast doesn't fuck around. Mm-mm. We got Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Chloe Coleman, Daisy Head, Hugh Grant. Pronounce oh it. You can do it. Oh boy. Roger Jean Page? I think so. Ooh. I don't actually know. I have no idea either. Justice Smith, Sophia Willis. This the the cast I'm 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 impressed. I'm impressed. Um obviously we still haven't gotten a trailer yet. <laughs> no, we had a sneak, the sneakiest of peeks. Sneakiest um, peaks. Well, no, we didn't actually. There was an exclusive sneak peek at VidCon, I believe. There was. Um, and we re- we reviewed we a very a very an brief clip from the the D and D live event at the beginning of the summer mm-hmm. as well, which we did an entire podcast on. 
uh, for all of the various announcements. But like this, this ha- this Comic Con panel has to be where the first trailer comes out, right? Like it has to. It's got to be. The, it's got to be. It's Comic Con. That's always what happens. Um, obviously, we'll be seeing it. Obviously. Yeah, not the sneak peek. The actual movie. The actual movie. When it comes out in 2023. Yes. We are not that popular. We are not that popular yet. And we haven't... And we're not going to Comic-Con. <laughs> it's uh, literally across the country from us. Yes. And we'd rather stay close and go to Gen Con. And also, that would make, like, s- just so many consecutive weekends just things. Just so many. <laughs> um, I, I, do, I do like that they're bringing in smaller creators smaller they're bringing in D&D creators Boss <laughs> Logic Quincy's Tavern yes. to help promote it um, that stuff is always fun Wizards of the Coast is very good about bringing in creators to help promote their stuff that really are passionate about their product all in favor say aye aye, aye. all opposed same motion motion passes very good what were we motioning for that we approve oh Wrap up. Wrap up. Hit Wrap it. up. <laughs> the Mighty Nine. Ooh, the Mighty Nine. Are now Clue. They're now Clue board characters. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the board game. The board game Clue. The classic board game Clue that's been around forever. With a hit movie, I might add. Sidebar. About the Clue movie. We're I don't not know doing you know this. Wrap up very well. Anyway, yes, go on. <laughs> <laughs> the Clue movie had multiple different endings depending on where in the United States you were viewing the movie at. So, if you were on the East Coast, you got a different reveal of who the killer was than if you were in Middle America than if you were on the West Coast. And so, people would like start arguing about what was right. It was hilarious. It was pre-internet before they could just like figure that out quickly. Right. But so that was that what what a time to be alive. Anyway, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons Critical Role going to be releasing a Mighty Nine themed Clue board game, which I feel like is just absolutely perfect. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of these popular product tie-ins with classic games. I I have owned a Lord of the Rings edition of Monopoly since sure. I was a kid. There's a Stranger Things version of Monopoly. All all the board games have their specific Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, the whole Doctor Who, the whole kit and caboodle. But Critical Role having a partnership with like a long established game. They've made their own games. They have they've partnered with Munchkin to make a Critical Role Munchkin. They've made Ukatoa. Mm-hmm. But this is like a a massive property to be partnering with and i'm one that i find to be just kind of thematically perfect with the uh the what is it the the not jester the not jester oh yes the lavore i don't bernardo what i don't remember bernardo and the lavore investigators (laughs) them becoming private investigators and of course the two of them are featured very prominently on the cover along with all of the other alive members of the mighty nine R.I.P. Molly Mock. Molly doesn't seem to be included, but it is ostensibly the exact same game as Clue with uh, a, a Critical Role p- coat of paint. You play as the members of the Mighty Nine mm-hmm. as opposed to your classic Clue characters. The the murder weapons are going to be different. The locations that you're going to are different and themed around Critical Role. Fascinating. I love it. Second second branch of Hasbro that that Critical Role has worked with now. Indeed. 
as we have talked previously, wrap-up item two, by the way. Wrap-up item two. This is the least rappy wrap-up item, <laughs> or wrap-up section we've done thus far, and that's saying something. And this is this is the episode that we've been, like, pretty chill for the most of the day and been able to, like, prep for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's just that's just classic us. So, D&D Beyond is going to have a special one-shot for Journey Through the Radiant Citadel. Going to be featuring... Uh, several Critical Role cast members as well as other well-known D&D personalities and they're going to preview one of the adventures in there. The Fiend of Hollow Mind is going to be run by Eugenio Vargas of Rivals of Waterdeep. And it's also going to feature the cast of Matt Mercer, Robbie Damon, and Anjali Bimani from Critical Role as well as Amy Dallin and Michael Galvis. It's going to be... It's already happened. Friday, July 8th. Wow, that's already happened. I mean, that is and that has been since the last time we had a podcast. So that makes sense, obviously. Check it out. Fun one shot. It, it's always it's always fun seeing Critical Role cast members being pulled into other things, as it is fun to watch other live play D&D actors being pulled into Critical Role. Indeed. Calamity was wonderful. Highly recommend EXU Calamity on Critical Role if you have not watched that. Uh, I, I miss Robbie Damon ever since uh, ever since Dorian Storm has left Campaign Three. It seems like there's a void there. It does. It really does. An emptiness in the table and in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And and of course Anjali Bamani, our our beloved Anjali, who was in Exandria Unlimited as well as uh, the popular video game franchise. She's the voice of Rampart. We play Apex Legends. We a do, lot. we do, and I am a Rampart main. And she is in uh, Miss Marvel as one yes. of the supporting cast members, and she is a seal, a, a scene stealer, as they say. Lovely person, indeed. Sam, your wrap up item. My wrap up item will go a lot faster than mine. <laughs> Magic: The Gathering and Fortnite crossover. Secret oh. layers x Fortnite. I assume it's time. Secret layers by Fortnite and secret layers by Fortnite. Landmarks and locations have been revealed. The locations and landmarks pack includes five basic lands, one of each type with unique Fortnite-themed art. And the mini, the main pack has seven reskin Magic the Gathering uh, Fortnite or Magic the Gathering cards, each with Fortnite art. Uh, they are as follows. Once I can scroll back to the left, there we go. Oh boy. Shrinking Storm. Used Wrath of Gods is now Shrinking Storm. Dance of Mini is Dance Battle. Ethereum Sculptor. Supply Llama. Grim Tutor, Crack the Vault. Triumph of the Hordes is Battle Royale. Smuggler's Copter is Battle Bus. Planar, uh, Planar Bridge is The Cube. Wizards, of course, has not re- just revealed all the cards this time. They're holding some back. They're holding. But you can find all the cards and more available on sale starting July 21st at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Do we? Does everything have to be this cross-fortnight, this and Fortnite collaborate. Obviously, Fortnite is massive. And they want their fingers in everything. Everybody everybody wants that Fortnite money. I get it. It just, I just sigh. <laughs> <laughs> I just sigh. And final ra- our final wrap-up item is a surprise WizKids figure could tease the next Dungeons & Dragons adventure. This December, WizKids will release an adult blue shadow dragon figure. Ooh. It looks awesome, by the way. It's a malevolent blue dragon exuding umbral energy. It is being theorized at this time that uh, it is a creature from an upcoming adventure, either one 
we know of, such as Spelljammer or Dragonlance, or it could be hinting at some other project, perhaps something focused in the Shadowfeld, since this dragon does not yet have an official stat block in the current 5e release. This, this is one that I find interesting that they've announced that they're doing without having any sort of official art or having it appear as its own dedicated stat block in Fizzbins, the Monster Manual, or any of the adventures. It obviously... WizKids has gone out of their way to expand their Icons of the Realm line yes. to get a lot of NPCs from various adventures. Please, please release a Call to the Netherdeep one. <laughs> please, I would buy the fuck out of that. I'm sh- I, I'm looking for minis for the rivals and I'm struggling. <laughs> if you have any suggestions, please let me know. I always I do I do like that this subtle like hey here's a here's a random mini that doesn't seem to have any purpose and then we find out later that it's actually featured in some adventure mm-hmm. uh, that would be lovely I don't know what this would be featured in I would only assume um, Dragonlance I mean really we could we like I said it meant the article mentioned it could be any you know Dragonlance obviously because there's dragons and Fizzbins did give. Um, like a uh, a method to turning any dragon into a shadow dragon. It could be it could be uh, it could be a spell jammer because you know weird shit in the astral sea. Um, but then again, uh, the article pointed out it could be the shadow fell because shadow dragon. And there's not really been a five e thing focused on the shadow fell like uh, beyond the witchlight focused on the fey uh, fey realm. Of course, of course. And that is all. That is all the news. A little light news week. It's yeah. It's been a light news week. We we had a couple weeks. We've had a couple weeks. Late spring, early summer. Heavy news. Heavy releases. And now I was chilled out. With many announcements on the horizon, I feel like a lot of the latter half of 2022 are going to have some plenty of books to talk about. I'm sure we'll have much to talk about after San Diego Comic Con uh, this coming week, and then Gen Con in two weeks. Um, we we will be doing. We will be doing one episode of the podcast, quote-unquote, live from Gen Con. We will be recording somewhere. Who knows? It might be in our Airbnb, for all we know. We would love to do it, like, on the show floor and just, like, find a corner and just get some of our buddies from TikTok or wherever (laughs) to, like, come hang out. And that one is going to be a lot more loose and flowy. Little freeform and probably have terrible audio depending on where we do it. God awful audio. Oh yeah, absolutely terrible. Terrible audio brought to you by the Dungeon Bros. I, I am. I will have to say I am proud of our last two podcasts, and so far from what I've been able to tell is our recording process of this one that our audio has chilled the fuck out, as they say. Mm. We found the system. We finally found the system that works consistently. Yes, moving farther apart. Moving farther apart. Lowering our input volume on our microphones. And boosting it after the fact. But that is all the news. All of the news for now. Now let's listen to a clip from uh, Typical Gemini. Mr. 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 Gemini himself. Mr. Typical Man. I'm going to be... Are, am I Gemini? Typical Aquarius? Are you? I'm an Aquarius. I'm a Libra. Are you Typical Libra? Am I? Anyway, throwing it to future... You. Throwing it to future me. Okay, it's a countdown, and we are recording. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, this this software, Zencaster, is different than what we've been using. We've been doing free the free trial roundabout thing to try and figure out what we like the best. But gotcha. Yes. All right. Well, uh, 
hello on on this hello on this bonus episode of of the Dungeon Bros podcast, or I don't know what clip I'm going to use in the regular podcast, but I'm here with uh, Wyatt of of typical Gemini on TikTok. Hello, hi. This is this, this is such a fun time. Uh, Sam and I talk all the time about how we we like to talk about Magic the Gathering because it's awesome. Yeah. It, well, it's it's an important part of Wizards of the Coast, and we want to we want to acknowledge it on the podcast and talk about it. But we are not very well versed in Magic the Gathering in the slightest. You, on the other hand, quite a bit of expertise. Yes, I. Uh... Started playing in 2000, 2016, I want to say, okay. maybe 2015, like right at the end of that. So yeah, I've been I've been playing for quite a while, and you know, learning new stuff all the time. That's that's uh, I think a a year year and a half after the first time I was ever exposed to Magic: The Gathering. I was a um, I was a freshman in college, and our RA and a couple other. Uh, guys that lived on our floor basically just got our entire dorm floor into Magic the Gathering during like the lead up to the release of the Theros set. Oh yeah. Um actually I pulled out of out of the closet my old my old Theros stuff and I've been Thanks. going through it today in in preparation for this to try and remember. I the only the only deck that I really built and it's unsleeved right now because I took them out of their sleeves, but it was like a blue white Theros deck where I was using like Phalanx Leader and the what is it what is it even called? Battle Battlewise Hoplite to just get like a massive amount of plus one plus one tokens on oh, all yeah. of my shit. Classic um, strategies. And we went to like a big pre-release event and all that kind of stuff, and I don't e- I don't even know if you know what this is because I still don't even fully fucking understand this ridiculousness, the Magic the Gathering from the Vault. Oh yeah! Thing. Oh man! I won this as like the door prize. Whoa! Um, are, uh, they were already they were always a pretty good product. Like all things considered, they just kind of started going downhill with like quality and stuff and wizard yeah. i think replace them essentially with like secret layers yeah we'll, we'll get in we'll get into secret layers a bit from our the the episode of the podcast that this might be airing on um the one the one thing you might be a bit disappointed uh this is the one that has uh jace the mind sculptor planeswalker in it um, I totally just traded that card away like a week after I got this pack. <laughs> um, turns out, really tanks the value of this whole set. So you know, yes, un- un- that was <laughs> that was quite the uh, quite the blunder on my part. But I, I thought I, th- I figured you'd appreciate what that was because I do. Clearly, I didn't <laughs> at the time. Yes. It's perfectly fine. You know, we all make mistakes when we first get into card games before we realize, oh, that that card I traded away because this one was shinier was actually worth like 20 times as much. Yeah. (laughs) The amount of I I wish as a kid I was I pestered my parents more to get me into Pokemon. I wish I were more into the Pokemon cards instead of the Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Um, I, I have a large collection of old Yu-Gi-Oh cards that I absolutely love, but I I could have had like all of the super valuable Pokemon cards, but oh. if if it was all just Pokemon, 
I, I kick myself a lot about that. But we're getting we're getting derailed at this point. How did um how did you get into Magic the Gathering? Uh, for me, I was always kind of interested in it, and I I have a similar story. Uh, about the first time I played, uh, which was in high school, a bunch of my buddies, we had formed a Yu-Gi-Oh group ah. that we would kind of go to nationals and play like that. It wasn't anything. Oh, shit. Crazy, but uh, shout out to Team Shadow Force. And uh, <laughs> they played then, and what they played was a modified version of it. So I went to Walmart and bought like a little, I think it was Mirrodin Block starter deck. Mm. And they were playing where if you had lands in your hand or on top of your deck, like you could just keep playing until you had hit a, a creature card or something to play oh. and that was wrong because I, that deck did terrible and i was like well i'm bad at magic i'll never play this again <laughs> and then literally in 2016 that's when i really started to get into it again because a buddy of mine was getting into it and he was like hey you know let's jump into this together and i was like sure you know we'll just buy a fat pack and we'll build like two decks out of it and try that mm-hmm. and then we played correctly that time and i ended up loving it even though I lost every single time. Uh, And where I was living at the time, my LGS was like right down the street. So when I discovered that, oh yeah. When I discovered that, that's when I started going to pre-releases and kind of learning about different strategies. And I just started consuming a lot of Magic the Gathering content, uh, Tolarian Community College, the, I think it was the Mana Source at the time. They're no longer doing videos, uh, Command Zone, just consuming as much as I could get. And then we moved, and a buddy across the street where we moved was starting to get into it, and I would go over there and play. And he's the one that actually got me into Commander, which is like the format I play the most now. That that format is the one that I feel like I would enjoy so much more than any of the standard formats, but there isn't like a real... I don't know if I could even begin to fathom how to build a deck. It's okay. So the rules of commander are: you have your commander that you basically can summon any time, right? Yes. And if they get destroyed, you can summon them again, but it costs more. Yes. And you can only have a single copy of every card that isn't a basic land. Absolutely. Yep. And it's a hundred cards. Uh, ninety-nine plus your commander. Yeah, hundred. That. I don't even I don't even know where I would begin to create any sort of cohesion there or is it meant to just kind of be chaos? It's sort of meant to be chaos. What's a really good thing about the format is it gives cards that had no place in say standard or modern or anywhere else uh, a home to really shine. Mm-hmm. Um but in recent years, it's kind of wind down more so from what used to be like the big splashy format. Like Commander used to be the format where you would see a lot of like eight drops, six drops, just like huge things. And that's what drew a lot of people in. Uh, but the format recently, it's still dropping those huge cards. It's just dropping them much sooner. And okay. we're always slimming down. And depending on where you play in the command level, you know, that can that can change as well. But um, it's not as hard as most people think it is. You just start with like a concept is what I like to start with. Like I like to pick the commander and then from there you use, there's several resources I use such as EDH rec or MTG goldfish, um, mm-hmm. tapped out Moxfield, things like that. And from there I just kind of assemble cards that synergize really well together and 
you'll have some staples, I guess, if you're playing in certain colors, things that just slot in no matter what. Like, a lot of people slot in Soul Ring automatically. So there you go, 98 cards to go. The Commander yeah. and Soul Ring. <laughs> Is, uh, so... And and you can do any card from any ver like any past version, any past set, right? Yes. Uh there's like a small ban list, but it's it's nothing super crazy. So I could go in and actually take my Theros cards and create something somewhat cohesive. Obviously oh, I'd only get my one precious failing soldier, but Oh, know. don't worry, there are if you enjoy that strategy of like there's Oh. flooding with plus one plus one counters oh, like there's just flooding the board there's so many commanders that do that you are you are in good colors i so i played i've been i, I previously have played magic the gathering arena on my phone there was like a solid two month period where i was playing it like very religiously and they make it they make it very easy with the starter cards that you get and the very easy to get stuff to get that like plus one plus one strategy with blue and white going uh and so obviously I gravitated toward that because that's what I recognized. But I found that specifically in Magic the Gathering Arena, or this may be Magic the Gathering at large too, that the power creep as the sets have gone on, like it was, it was a challenge to learn Theros, but for the most part when it came out, it was your standard Magic the Gathering and it just kind of had a flavor of Greek mythology to it and not really any crazy mechanics. But when I look at the state of Magic the Gathering now on Magic the Gathering Arena, especially with the D&D set adding in just a crazy number of new features, it, it doesn't feel very beginner-friendly anymore. And are, you, are you worried about... Do you, do you agree? Are you worried that it no. might be more difficult to get the, get the game to grow more? I... There are times when I kind of worry about it like that, but for the most part, having... I've recently taught two other people that I work with how to play, mm. and one of them absolutely just fell in love with it. Like, they're already... I taught them to play, like, a month ago, maybe, and they're already, like, five or six Commander decks deep. Like, they are just full in. So it's not so much that it's not new user-friendly, because... At its core, the great thing about Magic the Gathering is it is for everybody. You can, I can literally sit here with this massive box of cards I have nice. and probably throw something together that's at least passable, mm -hmm. you know. So it just depends on how advanced you want to go. You can do really easy, really simple stuff like a token strategy. Just make a bunch of tokens. Or... I'm a red player at heart, so, you know, mm. things where you make goblins or deal direct yeah, damage yeah. Is, is really where I, I tend to be. Yeah, I would, and, like to, I would like to swing with my 37 goblins that I have on the field, please. Uh, 37? <laughs> those are rookie numbers. we got to get those numbers up. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's – what's a good thing about them is they always kind of backpedal every now and then and put out, like, a very user-friendly set. Mm -hmm. So Dungeons and Dragons is probably not the best place for most people to like dive into the format because, like you said, uh, they do introduce a lot of different keywords and stuff. They're just trying to be on flavor, yeah. Um, and they're not actually like real keywords, like you would be like Death Touch, Flying, uh, Trample, stuff like yeah. That. But they are just like a huge wall of text 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of predicting that maybe in the next one, either Dominaria United or even Dominaria Jumpstart, we'll see kind of a return to more simpler uh, mechanics and have like really big splashy things in there, but not make the whole set just like a wall of text to read. So, you, so do you think you think the complexity is more specifically with Sam and I's focus on the? Uh, the Dungeons and Dragons set specifically because that's more thematic for what we like talking about. Uh, it can be, it can be. Like I said, the, the the Dungeons and Dragons sets have a huge wall of text, mostly because of the choices. Which again, the more you play Commander, the more you'll realize cards that give you multiple choices. Mm-hmm. That way, it's never really like a dead card in your hand, like something you just can't play. Now you're like, yeah. okay, well, maybe I don't want to venture into the dungeon, but I want to greet the goblins and instead of exiling the top three cards of my library and playing one i'll make two goblins or something Mm -hmm. um but another good thing wizards does to really get people into the game the format that i've helped the most people get into is commander and their commander pre-cons that they make are phenomenal like they are so great for new players because they come in and and it's all streamlined like they Mm -hmm. used to be a real mess uh, the first couple ones, <laughs> the first couple ones put like shotgun blast against it, and was just like it's gonna do one of these things, but yeah. none of the things it's gonna do very well. Versus what they've done now, where it's almost all synergistic with the commander. Hmm. And I'm sure part of that is the the freshness of the format at the time. Commander is like very very new to my understanding, like within the last decade. Uh, I don't know exactly when it started, but I know that it, it's been around for a while because the, the Commander came about because of Elder Dragon Highlander, uh, which is the EDH term of it, and it was the Elder Dragons, like, original Nicol Bolas and a couple of the other ones that were 7-7s, seven mm-hmm. and they would be able to attack three times, which is where the Commander damage... Uh, clause to win comes from, you know, dealing okay. 21 damage to somebody seven times three, so you would attack someone with your commander seven times. Okay. And it did take off in popularity, though, within the last ten years, for sure. Uh, I just looked it up. The The format originated in 2011. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so we, yeah, we both right. could... I, I could have been learning how to play commander at the time, but it would have been oh, yeah. very new. Um, okay, getting, getting off of Magic the Gathering generally... You were you were watching us as we recorded the podcast live. Were you there for the uh, the the new secret lair? Uh, the released? Fortnite secret lair. Oh my god! Just <laughs> I get to I get, oh, please no. I get <laughs> I get that it's just like existing cards, and then they're just putting new art on it and theming it around things. But like, come on, right? Yeah. No, it's, that's. Actually, we were very lucky that that's all they did was just reskin yeah. cards in in Fortnite because they have in the past made completely unique secret oh, layers no. that have not had magic equivalents. Like oh, the no. the two that come to mind are the Walking Dead secret layer mm-hmm. and the Stranger Things. Now they did later print the Stranger Things into Innistrad, the newest uh, yeah. Innistrad, but the Walking Dead I do not think they've yet to get a Magic the Gathering equivalent. So oh let's, let's be thankful for that. But yes, yeah. I, it's crazy to me that 
I mean, if I would understand if it was at the height of the Fortnite hype, but if it's... they did a secret layer, but I feel like Fortnite is no longer, it's now just a meme. The the sad the sad reality of that though is that Fortnite is still like the most pop like the most profitable game in existence right now. Oh yeah, and um, I mean I have a I have a goddaughter who's like obsessed, mm-hmm. and it's crazy because she just runs around. She doesn't even want to shoot people or anything. Like she just wants to run around and build or or drive like the four wheeler or whatever around the map and like people will or just be or be and... thanos and fly across the map and shoot yeah, your thing you know. yeah <laughs> standard things <laughs> that that game just has so much going on and it will just continue to grow I, I i played fortnite for a little while when it was when it was like on the upswing of popularity and i'm like I get why people like this, but this is not for me. And then I jumped back in when they did the Infinity War tie-in with Thanos, and I'm like, this is neat. This needs to stop, though. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, we've already kind of jumped the shark a bit much here. Oh, absolutely. And they've just continued. You know, you got the X-Men and Naruto and Oh, oh my God. I else. forgot Naruto was in it. <laughs> oh, no. That's horrible. Oh, that's horrible. I mean, oh. Naruto running has been a meme since, like, the 90s, it feels like. When did Naruto start? Whenever it started is oh, when yeah. it became a meme. Well, you know, I was definitely oh. one of those kids that Naruto ran to the cafeteria and, like, everyone oh. would make fun of me. But I had to, like, I had to do it like this, so I held my backpack so it wouldn't yeah. wobble back and forth. So, you know, yeah. it was more so out of necessity. But it was also, like, it's not that my high school was huge or anything. I came from a very small uh place but still like Mm. i wanted to get in there to get my lunch so i could actually eat and not you know so when they started turning it you get the 25 minutes for lunch you have to spend 20 of it waiting in line yeah and when they turned it into a meme and i read it for the first time i was like i was literally that kid like these memes are getting too personal now (laughs) (laughs) i love i love a good personal meme Uh, some of them aren't great (laughs) do you remember (laughs) You remember a couple years ago when there's the the all the news stories were there's going to be people storming Area 51 and Naruto running to get them aliens. Yes. I Oh my oh my god. I I work in television and we covered it. Oh my god. <laughs> it, that was like that was the ultimate like oh cringe niche internet things are colliding with like my real world and I don't like this. <laughs> it's- that is uh I'm sure that when you report on like a story you know is either like a meme or oh, yeah. fake or something like that you're just like oh, guys come on like Late- work with me here. <laughs> yeah, lately lately my big like eye rolling thing is every time they talk about Stranger Things and try to talk about D and D which is like. A sentence, if that, and it's always like, oh, that is a gross overgeneralization of what what the D&D oh, hobby is. Oh, yeah, but, you know, you got to keep it simple to, like, draw the people in. Like, that's yeah. why when they when they do the fight with Eddie and the, and the Vecna thing in the beginning episode, it's always like, you know, they just show, like, the one or two of them rolling dice, and they don't mm. show anyone rolling death saves or anything like that. They just kind of pan over them, and they're all having fun and stuff, and... That's what's really yeah. going on, but what they didn't know is that they were actually just rolling to seduce, like, the local goblin or something, you know? I mean, 
what what's life without seducing a goblin or two? Exactly. You know, you know they yeah. just wanted to focus on Vecna, but I'm like, hey, show people what D and D is really about. You know, give them give them the whole story. Yeah. So for for as for D and D, this is ostensibly a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. podcast. More than a Magically Gathering podcast, yes. uh, but when when did you get into Dungeons and Dragons? Was this a thing that segued into Magically Gathering, or segued from Magically Gathering, or were they just kind of independent of one another? Uh, they were definitely independent of one another. And so, growing up, I listened to this song. I found it when I was like, I think like ten, maybe, and mm-hmm. it's called "Hail to the Geek." And one of the lines in it is. Uh, I got a halfling level 13th fighter thief, and mm-hmm. I always thought that was, like, badass. And every time I would go to Barnes & Noble, you know, I'm looking at all the cool books, and I'm like, oh, look, this art's amazing. It's blowing my mind. And my mom yeah. was always like, no, you know, that's that's like a $40 book. Let's put let's <laughs> that back. Uh, so it was something that always kind of sat in the back of my mind, and I told myself, I was like, one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at least try D&D. It seems like something I would really like as, you know, as the theater kid to D&D content creator pipeline uh, mm. goes. But, oh, uh, the, the classic pipeline. Yes, obviously. But the, <laughs> funnily enough, the thing that finally made me go back to it was the first season of Stranger Things. Uh, when they did their D&D thing, literally after I finished that first episode, I, I looked over to my wife and I was like, I am going to find people to play D&D with. I have mm-hmm. to at least try once. And sure enough, the next day I was talking about the first episode of Stranger Things and I brought up D&D and one of my coworkers who lives up the road from me uh, at the time he did was like, mm-hmm. Hey, me and a me and a buddy were about to do a, a one shot, and we got one other person. You know, do you want to get in? And I was like, Uh, yeah, I want to get in. So the serendipity, love yeah. it. Uh, and to be fair, at the time we were playing, like I guess now that I know more about it and everything, it was like D and D light because mm-hmm. he he wasn't really doing like he wasn't hard and fast on like the rules of what spells do if you needed components. Um the role play aspect and stuff like that that was something that kind of came out later but from that first session i was hooked and um me and the guy they brought actually ended up talking afterwards and we formed a group and that's the group that i still play with today wow that's awesome i uh i also had a long-standing group when i when i decided i need to play D all the time um i i as, as most people have to do I was like, well, I obviously I have to DM this because I'm not just going to find someone that'll do it for me uh, and let me play. And only, only very recently has that group finally decided I think it's time that we be done. So that, that was that was a bit of, of melancholy there. But that's that's awesome that you still play with your same group. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, the, the first group, I played with them for a long time, uh, but then just like schedules started conflicting and my my first dm was a great dm like he he wasn't one that would like tell turn you down or tell you no or anything like that he was like very open to the creativity because like the very first time he was like i'll dm for you i was like hey uh, i'm gonna send you a little backstory is that okay and then you know three pages later i've created my one shot character yeah who's a drow necromancer so oh and very interesting first choice of character 
Uh, I had been watching a lot of Lord of the Rings, and I was like kind of obsessed with the Witch King, and mm. I was just kind of like, let's let's do something yeah. with the undead. So he was like, oh yeah, that's badass. And this was before I knew like wizards were a super complicated class with all kinds of spells and whatnot. So I was just like mainly focused on animate dead. That's all I wanted to do. I was like, let me just bring people back from the dead. That is that is the ultimate necromancer goal is to just have your skeleton army. Right. Um have you since then what have you played? Uh since then I've played a uh tiefling warlock which was one of my personal favorites. I've played a dwarf bard, a halfling bard, a halfling sorcerer, and most recently I'm playing a tortle cleric of the light. So you are a big fan of the spellcasting side of D&D then? Uh, the bards were more so because I knew they... I watched a lot of Critical Role, and I really liked Sam Regal's character, so bards just kind of was something I gravitated to as someone who likes to parody songs and whatnot. So mm-hmm. uh, that's where I went. The spellcasting, like I said, my, my DM at the time was always really light on that, so the spellcasting was just like, hey, just... Just, you know, however you want to do it, that's how it happens. I'm like, cool, you know. <laughs> no, uh, but, sweet. but as I learned more, I started going more towards the martial classes. Like my Tiefling Warlock, I would say, was like the first real dive into dungeons, Dungeons & Dragon, Like mm. the hardcore rules and everything like that. So he was mostly Eldritch Blast and hit things with a really big sword. A hexblade, or uh, he was a fey pact with a uh, blade boon. Okay, okay. I I have a uh, a half orc hexblade warlock that I play right now. Who we 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 recently leveled up to level five. Recently, it was like three months ago. But we, the last time we, it's recent. All recent all, enough. <laughs> I was excited. That's how all sessions work. You can just be like, "Hey, recently," and it's like, "Dude, that was a year and a half ago." And you're like, "It's recent, okay." Yeah, it was like three weeks ago in game. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that I'm I've always been attracted to like that Gish style sword and sorcery kind of thing. Um, and I'm trying to if I if I end up the next character that I end up playing, I'm gonna try and get myself away from that. I haven't really played like a pure martial with with any amount of significance before. Uh, so I wanna I wanna try and do that, and I say pure martial as uh, the class I'm looking at is ranger, which is already right. half caster. So. Hey, you know you gotta <laughs> you know. start somewhere. And it, funnily it, enough, it, that's kind of how I ended up as my total cleric, because mm-hmm. I've always been like a wisdom as my dump stat type character. Like they've never been aware of yeah. anything. Uh, and when I played my warlock, I really liked the dynamic that we had going between the patron and and him. So I was like, okay, well, how do I turn that into, like, something else? And I was like, I want to be able to cast Fireball. So let me look at at what can do that. And then, boom, Cleric of the Light showed up. A classic. Yeah, and then uh, that was around the time with the controversy where everyone was talking about how it's messed up that Tortles only live, like, 40 years. Yeah. And uh, but I, real life tortoises live to be like 300. <laughs> exactly. So I told my dungeon master, I'm like, tortoises only live to be 40. He's like, no, they don't. I was like, 
it, well, that's what it says in the book. He's like, yeah, well, they actually live to be hundreds and hundreds of thousand years old. I was like, all right, cool. Then that's how we'll do it. Because I wanted him to be an old man. So when I looked up how old turtles were, I was like, there's no way they only live to be 40. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I like that kind of laissez-faire sort of mentality with DMing. Have you tried DMing yourself at all yet? Yes. Uh, my current dungeon master, um, shout out Corvo. Uh, he actually was the one that played in a lot of my first couple games because when we got away from the Dungeons & Dragons light that we were playing, essentially, um, mm-hmm. I really wanted to take over, and I kind of had this story in mind, and we started it, and everyone was having a really good time, and then it fizzled, kind of like most campaigns tend to do. Uh, but there was a string of one-shots that I would do, and I still do one for my birthday uh, every year. Like most recently, I did a level 20 one-shot where the players got to take on a Tarrasque. Ah, that, that crazy, <laughs> wow, that was that crazy. That was crazy something else. Man. Wow, I that can't believe something. I can't believe that he just full on just went shirtless for me. That was <laughs> I, I love how that happened. Uh, he's that in the was, chat right now, so that was absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Mr. Gemini, for going completely shirtless for me in our interview. That was that was lovely. I appreciate it. <laughs> and now we will get to the podcast the uh, podcast questions that you can ask us on. Uh, the Discord server. You can find the link to join our Discord server in the link tree in the bio of all of our social medias, uh, particularly on TikTok, where over 150 people currently are enjoying the Discord, chatting it up, memeing it up. There's been a lot of memes posted recently. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, sadly, no one asked us a fucking question again. We had like two weeks where we had like three, four questions. Yeah. And now nada. Now nada. Nothing. Nothing. You can also ask us questions in the chat of the TikTok live as we record this. Samuel. Yes. Unfortunately, not a lot of action on the TikTok live today. Uh, uh, Typical Gemini did pop in and he asked, when we were talking about, I believe, uh, Radiant Citadel, isn't this where they released the Astral Dreadnought? Um, That would be Spelljammer. That would be Spelljammer. Now, the Astral Dreadnought, big fan of the Astral Dreadnought myself. Yes. Very big fan of the Astral Dreadnought. I'm scared. <laughs> I am, am very scared. Of I mean, we the Astral Dreadnought. I don't want to ever buy one because then we're going to use it, and I don't want to be. I don't want it to be used against me, and I'd be scared to use it against you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my favorite uh, uh, use of the Astral Dreadnought has been um, that that a. Uh, the portal to another dimension exists inside the belly or inside That's the mouth fun. of the astral dreadnought uh, a version of which spoilers for campaign two of critical role they enjoy an adventure through the happy fun ball mm-hmm. which is its own like little pocket dimension for a a long since gone uh, arcane caster and he chained an astral dreadnought within this pocket realm with its jaw permanently hinged open and the dimension inside of that Astro Dreadnought is like his deepest, most personal arcane experimentation and studying. Mm-hmm. It, terrifying. Terrifying and fucking awesome. So cool. So cool. Uh, 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 typical says, uh, I would love a Jaws-themed campaign where the shark is an Astro Dreadnought and the party is stranded. Oh, that would be... Ooh. So that's one thing, like... 
I think I think uh, we'll we'll see a lot more of with the release of Spelljammer is kind of uh, a play on that on that classic stranded on a desert island, mm-hmm. either one shots or mini campaigns. I couldn't see a whole campaign on it, but like that would be cool if you've ever played Stranded Deep. That's the entire plot of that survival game, and man, the sharks suck there. <laughs> but like to a normal party, sharks don't suck. You can kill a reef shark in a couple of hits. Yes, yes. Now, in Call of the Netherdeep, there's a special there's a special shark. There's oh, a that's right. Sharks in there. If you're looking for some beefier sharks to fuck up some people, go check out the Call of the Netherdeep bestiary for beef sharks. For beefy sharks. Um. Sashim says, says Calamity was so good. Calamity is probably my favorite D&D miniseries that I've ever watched online, period. Full stop. <laughs> Brennan Lee Mulligan is a joy, as always, a joy. And the characters, fantastic. The story, heartbreaking. It has some of the craziest moments that I've seen in a D&D live play show. It ties in beautifully with the 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 already established Exandria lore. Mm-hmm. We are big fans of lore here. We love lore. Love a good lore. I, it's so good. I I find the I've seen the observation uh, or I've heard it. Maybe it was Darren who told it to me, but we we're talking about you who had who had consumed much critical role, but never really any Dimension Twenty. I've, I've consumed a little bit of Dimension Twenty. I just I struggle. To add new things to the rotation. It's hard. It, we, we all have a lot of content in our lives, but to, and, and I'm sure you're not alone, but to be, have people who have been like, ah, oh, yes, Brenly Morgan, another lovely dungeon master, I'm sure. I've seen him once or twice. But to actually have you get a full-on, uh, you know, bus slamming into the side of the train <laughs> of Brenly Mulligan, which this absolutely was. Um, the, the, way, the way they start Calamity, the First, because Brendan Lee Mulligan, big fan of the vignettes to introduce characters. The 20, 30-minute vignettes for every single character in a game. Introducing Xerxes like that. And just fucking bashing everyone on the head of, this is what this is going to fucking be. Be ready. Mm-hmm. So good. And Xerxes is a character in general. First Night of Avalir. Amazing. Okay. Redemption Paladin to the extreme. Have you finished Calamity yet? I am halfway through episode three. Ooh, Ooh boy, does it get real good. <laughs> oh, the bean is here. I don't know it if anybody gets, else can relate, but I did the thing where I was like, oh, I, I don't want to watch or listen to Critical Role for a while. And then I was like, ah, suddenly I need to watch and listen to all Critical Role. So I listened to like seven episodes straight. And then I was like, okay, time for Calamity. One, uh, you know, then it was like, oh. I'm the really fir- burnt out. Yeah, the fir- and the first one, y- you need you need some patience you to do. get everything set up. A classic Brendan Lee Mulligan thing, classic. Uh, but yeah, I have watched I watched a little bit of the um, oh, what's the one that takes place on Egg- in Eggfort Academy? Uh, the, uh, uh, Fantasy High. Yeah, I watched a little bit of Fantasy High. Um, With Fantasy High, it. I will say. The first season is very structured, where they do here's some story, here's some story, here's some story. Stop, create battle an entire battle mat scene like custom everything do that and it's low level the second season of fantasy high um much more of a classic D style um critical role style where it's just we're going we're playing and then 
and and I, I think the second season is just so much more fun. Fair. They also did hit um, COVID at that time, so yeah. it went from being yeah, it went online as opposed to like Critical Role, who they decided to stay. Um, they just took doing like, other thing off. They everything. just took like three months off, basically. Yeah, they took a while off, which I was fine with. Uh, there's honestly probably too much live play stuff. <laughs> there is a <laughs> lot. I, I mean, right now, uh, typical Gemini Dungeons and Daddies is also really good. Of course, um, I've ne- I've never listened to them. I've seen we follow. I follow them on Instagram because they post memes. They do post a mem from time to time, and by time to mind time, you mean like three times a day. <laughs> Of course, of course. I've seen some of their clips. I've seen some clips from uh, Whip Jack on on TikTok. She is in uh, Unprepared Casters. Mm-hmm. I've seen some clips from that that I've enjoyed. Obviously, I've talked before about uh, the old D and D videos from Node uh, of uh, of the same uh, from the same people of like uh, Corridor Digital. If you find them on YouTube, those are really good. There, I like that they were always really short and digestible. Mm-hmm. And not that that is one thing that with Critical Role, I am already invested in Critical Role. Yes, I I that is I know what it's going to be and I know it's going to take three years and it's going to be every fucking week and I'm in. And because of that, it makes it difficult for me to be like, all right, this is only 14 episodes, but that's like 40 hours. And the bean is joined. Oh, she's finally joined the table. Isn't that lovely? Have a sit. Good Have girl. a sit. Turn to face the audience at home. No? Okay. But it's just, if 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 I had more bandwidth for content, I would love to have more bandwidth for content. Right. Unfortunately, there's so much, uh, you know, real life to do. Yeah. Between, you know, going to jobs. What are you doing? Good job. Good job, Bean. You're a hunter. You you earn that dinner. You hunt. You hunt. Good job. Anyway, what else we got? Uh, typical says it's such a commitment to keep up with CR. It really, it, it really. I'm getting back yeah. close to the mic. Sorry about that. Um, it is really a. It really is a a commitment to keep up with Critical Role. Like I said, I did the thing where I was like, well, I can't focus on it right now, especially because at their lower levels, um, it's tough. It's tough. But then I was like, all right, plow through. And and you know it's all great. Mm-hmm. I'm but still I'm still waiting for for campaign three to have that moment that I had in campaign two where it's like I'm invested now I'm in because I had that moment in campaign two um, when they get to Zadash and they find Pumat's soul for the first time mm. and they start having all of those interactions and they start exploring the city and the cobalt soul and the bathhouse and 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 and, and. yeah that battle that battle in the sewer where they're fighting the phase spider even though i hate spiders that little that section of campaign 2 is where i was like i'm in now i get it i love this I was interested, and I wanted to watch D&D happening, and I was like, Campaign 2 is starting, I'm getting into D&D, I don't want to commit to 112 episodes of Campaign 1, Yeah, this is the perfect time, and so I got in, and I was like, this is nice, this is fun, I had it on, and then they get to Zadash, and I'm like, oh, I'm watching this every week religiously now, because this is where shit really pops off for me. Yeah, I started on Campaign 1, um, and I was, I think I, by the time I started, I was just like... I was just deprived of D&D. I had played a little bit, and I was deprived, and I was like, well, I need some outlet. Yeah. And uh, and so I just started watching, and the campaign one 
definitely understand why a lot of people can't get into one. It's huge. It's it's fucking huge. Campaign two is longer at this point, but, but they but they iron out a lot of the kinks. They do, and that's part of the thing with campaign one is first off they've ne- this is new. This is new to everybody. They've never done this before. The producers of um, who are they with at the time? Geek and Sundry. Geek and Sundry. They the the original pitch was hey Matt run your game and then when you get to the battle parts we'll switch because they were mostly a video game mm-hmm. company we'll switch to the video game part D and D and Matt's like that doesn't exist yeah you don't you don't and so um and so like the audio was crap for the for first a long time yeah probably yeah forty episodes they and, start like in the middle of an arc and they start with these high level characters and they're ju- and ninth level which is not crazy high but higher. It's, than a lot of people. It's getting up play. to the, the top tier, uh, the top tier that most people play. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they, and tra- they had to transition. From, sorry to interrupt. Keep interrupting. You keep interrupting they had me. To, Fuck they you. had to transition um, from what was it? Pathfinder. They played Pathfinder at originally, and so yeah, they were they were learning new mechanics. They were learning new rules, and then they were also. You know, this is a topic that comes up whenever you talk about uh, critical role. It has changed. They used to just be a group of friends playing D and D and you could and tell they were D and D stuff. Yeah. They were they were cross talking, they were cracking jokes, derailing things constantly, and now they are a lot more focused. They understand mm-hmm. that it's a show and they're performing, which makes for a better user for a better viewer experience. But you kinda miss some of that charm that they had originally. Which yeah. I'm okay with because the storytelling is so good. It is good. I'm I, I'm wait I'm in that same vein there, I, I just want that moment in campaign three where it's like, okay, I get what everyone's about. I get what their goals are. And now I'm in and and spoilers for, I'm not going to really spoil, but for the most recent episodes of campaign three, there's a big lore dump on FCG and what he might be and where he might've come from. And there's uh, the Erica Ishii is playing a guest character who has a deep tie in with Fern and the Sealy Courts and the Feywild. And it seems like they're going in that direction a lot that once we start getting into getting into the meat, getting into the meat of these boys, getting into the meat of these characters, then I might be a bit more into campaign three. It's also definitely a weird thing to see them from the beginning to where they are now from again just a random group of people playing D&D to a uh, a bulwark a bulwark yeah of of this hobby and how many people have tied their identity to Critical Role have and not not the actors how many people in the community have tied their identity to Critical Role yeah and how many people um, dislike Critical Role for for whether it's arbitrary reasons. Arbitrary reasons, whether it's how the players play, how the DM runs the game, you know, uh, They're whatever. Scripted, which is unfathomably stupid, right? But and then the the social issues people both expect them to have a take on and to also stay out of. Exactly. Um, um, you can just look at their partnership with Wendy's. And the backlash oh, yeah. to the Wendy's one shot to f- realize, oh, this community might need to like calm the fuck down a little bit. I mean, I remember, I remember seeing a, uh, it, uh, both times when campaign one ended and when campaign two ended, posts on like Reddit, like, hey guys, they're going to be changing characters soon. That doesn't mean anything bad. That yeah. means that they're changing. Don't, and they're like, d- you know, if you like Critical Role, you should like Critical Role 
for the 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 stories or the yeah. or the D and D. You shouldn't like them because they play certain characters. The amount of backlash when Campaign Three started to Ashley still playing Fern, Liam still playing Orum, and Robbie Damon still playing Dorian from EXU upset a lot of people for no good reason <laughs> at oh, and, all. And then when Bertram Bell died, bringing in exactly. Chutney. And oh my gosh, the 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 Bertram Bell and the Chetney hate are unfathomable. And so far, Chetney is probably one of my favorite characters. I think FCG is my favorite, followed by Orum, followed by Chetney. I think Chetney's on top. For ooh, me. ooh, no, no, scratch that, scratch that. FCG, Loudna, Loudna, Orum, Chetney. I love Chetney, and that order could change any given day, any given day. Anyway, we've been rambling on about Critical World. Do we have anything else? Nope. Uh, Wyatt said goodbye for now. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Fairly well, Typical Gemini. We will be recording that tomorrow. We will have, you'll have already listened to a portion of that interview, and the rest of it will be going live a week from now in the regular podcast feeds. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify. Um, my, it's always the microwave oven. I can't think of any any other ridiculous smart device that might be able to play a podcast. Um, I mean, the Amazon Alexa. You could you could listen to us on Alexa. You could listen to us on. You could probably listen to us on your PlayStation Five. Probably. Um, attach could. attach a Bluetooth speaker to your cat. And hear parts of it while the cat <laughs> runs around the apartment. Put your ear to the wall Ooh. and listen while your neighbors listen to, to us. That is fun because then you're convincing your neighbor to it, which is going to in turn help us. If you like the podcast, please review us on these podcast services. That yes. really helps out. Uh, five stars, ideally. If not, maybe wait until you like us more. And write us a review. Say, um, say something like this. Uh, one cup sugar. One cup flour. One cup butter. One cup eggs. Congratulations. You've created a basic pound cake. Except this is a cupcake. But not a cupcake like you know. That's that's what you need to tell everybody. Oh, I, is that a reference? Is that a reference? Nope. That I that's, just not, that's just a thing. So a pound cake is one pound of each of the four main ingredients. Of course. And then I used cups instead of pounds. Mm, I, don't, I don't like that. And I, I just like, came up with it off the top of my head. I don't like how you did that. I don't like how you did that one bit. Improv. Of course, you can follow us. Uh, you can subscribe to us on the YouTube. We've got a couple of fun videos planned for the relatively near future, hopefully, possibly, whenever they get edited. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram. Sam does a lot of cool behind-the-scenes stuff, posts a lot of pictures from our D&D games, as well as, like, terrain building and mini painting that we do. And, of course, 18.8 thousand of you follow us already on TikTok. We are inching ever closer to 20,000, mm-hmm. which is crazy. We only hit 10,000 in January. And January. It's July, which is phenom Phenomenal. And, of course, you can check out DriveThruRPG where we have released our most recent homebrew item, which I can't believe we talked about. We didn't talk about it at the beginning. Oh, yes. A, a version, our, our, our own version of a vestige of divergence mm-hmm. popularized in Critical Role, as we talked about. Uh, it's an evolving magical artifact that is a warhammer called Ruining Creation, where you can dish out a lot of destruction as well as uh, create anew in its place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get that for free on DriveThruRPG, pay what you want. Uh, That is the best way to support us. Of course, you can also pay for our massive 38-page supplement on blood magic. Um, We will be doing a sale on it sometime during Gen Con in the week following Mm -hmm. uh, to celebrate us going to Gen Con. If you're going to Gen Con, 
hit us up, let us know, meet with us. And uh, you can join our Discord server where I will be in the near future creating a new channel specifically to share stories, pictures, etc. from the Gen Con 2022, Indeed. which will be very exciting. If you do see us there, don't lick us. Lick Sam exclusively. He do actually not. wants that. Nope. He he need he needs that kind of love and support in his life. Just go up, just walk up behind him, press your your tongue right against like the side of his neck, and just like the softest little lick possible. Nothing bad will happen to you. If you have teeth, I apologize for you because <laughs> you won't after that. And here we are at the end of the podcast. Jester is finally curled up cutely in the cat bed that we set out for her every episode, only for the last little bit today. Yeah. Thank you all again, and in the